Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You are listening to As a Woman, episode 46, Women in Medicine. In this episode, I'm talking about one of the top questions I get asked. What's it like to be a woman in medicine? Society often tells women how to be, how to act, what they should be, even in subconscious actions all the time. This leaves women wondering, can I do this? Welcome to As a Woman, the podcast hosted by fertility physician, Dr. Natalie Crawford, to educate and empower women. Each week, learn about your health, your fertility, and how they relate to your true self. Become a part of the community, fostering collaboration over competition, while learning how to authentically find your voice and amplify others as a woman. Hi, friends. Welcome back to As a Woman. You are listening to episode 46, Women in Medicine. This is probably the thing I get asked the most about no matter what, from younger women asking, is it possible? Should I do this? I've been told I can't. I've been told I won't be a good mom if I do this. I've been told I won't find a husband. I've been told I won't be happy. I will burn out. I will be unsatisfied. It's a mistake. I should do something easier. That is what women are asking me all the time. And this is a really complicated question. I think we are sitting in the first year ever where there are more females who've been admitted to medical school than males, which is phenomenal. If we really think back to the origin of this country and history overall, women have long been discriminated against, thought that they were less than, not capable of, have their skills constantly criticized, and always put on the back burner when it came to opportunities. So celebrating that women are even in the game and now we have more women than men in medical school, this is going to change the tide. I will be really honest. Some things that I went through when I was younger or the way that I felt or how things were perceived, I feel like certainly they must be different now. And sometimes it's a little disheartening to realize it's not at all different. When I started the As a Woman campaign. So those of you who follow me on Instagram at Natalie Crawford MD know that this podcast came out of an idea where I started a hashtag as a woman. And really what I was doing there was telling some of my own stories about what it was like to be a woman in medicine. And super interestingly is from the world around me, people would say, it's not like that for women. I mean, men would say that. It's not like that for women anymore. That's not how it is. You're exaggerating. I mean, which is just a bunch of crap because you guys who've been through it know that there's a different set of expectations for women than there are men. And you have to prove your worth versus being assumed that you belong. And that's a really different mindset. I'll go ahead and flat out say I am sure everything I'm talking about applies to minority groups in general. So anybody who isn't used to fitting the mold of what a doctor should look like, I'm sure this stuff applies to you. And if you are female and a minority, I'm sure it's like 
exponentially greater than even what I experienced. But I'm here to talk about my own experience and to share the things that I learned along the way and how I coped with some of them and the advice that I give to younger women. I love to go around and talk to different medical schools or undergrads and answer some of these questions. And one of the biggest reasons why is that I didn't have any female mentors in medicine. I didn't have any female physicians in my life. My grandfather and uncle are both psychiatrists. They're men. My doctor that we went to, they were all men. I did not know a single female who was a physician growing up. Yet this is what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be a doctor. I knew I wanted to both help people and that I was smart and I liked science and I was nerdy and I liked the body and all of that just fit into I was going to be a doctor. And it's interesting because I'm sure little boys, when they tell people they want to be a doctor, they're patted on the back. But I would get, oh, that's so cute. Or as I got older, I'd kind of get the side eye or, oh, we'll see about that. Or maybe you should do something easier. That's not a good career for a mom. I'd hear those things all the time to the point that I really started to not even pay attention to them very much. But they stung a little bit harder and really helped me get a little chip on my shoulder, which was probably a good thing in the end. But I let these things penetrate a part of me that I didn't even realize. When the world tells you you can't do something or you can't do something well, even if you know in your heart that you can, you start to believe them at some point or you start to doubt yourself at some other point. And that is really what has got to change. That has no place because you don't need any doubt. This world in medicine is amazing, guys, but it's really, really hard. I think there are so few jobs where you really do get to use your brain and your hands and your skills and tangibly help people, help the course of their lives, helps either their hardest times, help diagnose, treat, cure. You're there for them in these tough moments. There is so little that really gives you that, and it's incredible. But the journey is really hard. So I didn't even realize that I entered into medical school. I was thrilled to get into medical school. But I, when I entered into it, that I had this common belief or constant self-doubt or pseudo-imposter syndrome, wondering could I really do it? Could I really be a mom and a doctor? And I wasn't ready to be a mom by any means. I wasn't ready. But the world had told me that they don't exist together and that something would have to give and maybe that'd be the specialty of my choice or my career or being a mom or having kids. And I just felt a lot of pressure from that end. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. And it really started way before then. I was Lucky, I had some teachers in high school who really believed in me, and I took AP Sciences, and they were great and supportive. So I was really floored when I went to college, and I went to Auburn, which I loved. It is in South Alabama. It's a little different there. And when I sat down with my pre-med advisor there, she essentially told me that it was impossible. I didn't even have grades yet. This is before anything. And she said that going into medicine to be a doctor was not a good job for a young woman who wanted to have a family, who wanted to get married someday, 
that I wouldn't be able to be a good mom and a good doctor and that I needed to look at alternative options in medicine like pharmacy or physical therapy, dental school, being a nurse, going to PA school, etc. Oh my gosh, what on earth, guys? Literally, can you believe here is a woman in power because she is a pre-med advisor and you need them to write you a letter and she is telling me not to do it before I've even had a chance to prove myself. I was really, I mean, I am really stubborn. So luckily for me, I took that with a, I am going to show you attitude. And that's really how I approach. I swear I got into medical school just to prove that pre-med advisor wrong, which is not the right reason. But the truth is, I think it's fair to have an honest conversation of self-exploration. Why are you going into this field? or going into medicine in general, because all of those jobs she mentioned are really, really different. And you do want to make sure that you're picking the right one for you. For example, being a physician assistant is a really great, great job. There's a lot of diversity and you can switch fields really relatively easily. You don't have to be stuck into one specialty like we are in medicine. The training is less, the responsibility is less, the autonomy is less. I like to be in control. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Ritual. Did you know that women were excluded from clinical research policy by federal law until 1993? But women belong in scientific research. They're essential and Ritual knows this. I choose Ritual multivitamin every day because it is easy to take and I know that I am getting high quality and traceable ingredients in a clean and bioavailable forms. In fact, Ritual conducted a university-led human clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin to assess its efficacy, and the results showed increase in vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. No mind shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com A-A-W. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash A-A-W for 25% off. Thank you, Ritual. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Apostrophe. With the temperatures starting to warm up, I'm so excited that summer is around the corner and getting ready and looking forward to the summer months. But I know that when I'm outside, enjoying nature, I need to pick up supplies to prepare myself for summer adventures. And if you want to get your skin glowing in time for summer, it's time for you to get started with Apostrophe, who is sponsoring this episode. Apostrophe's goal is to help you feel confident in your own skin. So whether you're dealing with breakouts, signs of aging, or acne scarring, Apostrophe will help you love the skin you're in. I personally love that you get access to an expert dermatology team, a tailored treatment plan, It's simple to sign up for your first visit, and there is no in-person appointment or trip to the pharmacy needed. We have a special deal for our audience. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash A-A-W when you use our code A-A-W. That's a savings of $15. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash A-A-W and click get started. Then use the code AAW at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. If you know me, if you're one of my real life friends, you know I like to control things way too much probably, but I do. 
I like to be in control. I like to be the one in charge. I like making the decision. Being a PA would not be the job for me. That's easy. I want to be the expert in a field. I want to make all the decisions. I want to have all the responsibility, good and bad. So that's where that is. That was easy for me to see that that's not the right choice. But I tell you, when you are a young girl being told something from somebody who is older than you about one of your dreams, be it your dreams can be medicine and being a mom and being a wife and doing it all, somebody is telling you that those things can exist in the same box. And even if you do let it get a chip on your shoulder and get really stubborn like me, it penetrates your soul and you're going to believe them a little bit. So that does happen. And I think that happens more often than we like to admit. And it's not just from pre-med advisors. It's from all kinds of people. It is from teachers. It is from our aunts, our moms, other people in our life doubting this path that we have chosen because of its perceived difficulty. And does anybody do that to a guy? Does anybody look at a man and challenge his perceived path because it is difficult? I don't know. Maybe so. Maybe they do. But I don't think so. And I certainly do not think boys are being told, you won't be a good dad if you're a doctor. My first two years of medical school were in the classroom, and I didn't notice anything different or stand out compared to my male peers. But as soon as clinical rotation started, there was an obvious difference. And this is just a societal difference. This is just how people perceive you as a woman, as a girl, rounding, wearing the white coat. Your authority is not respected. People ask who you are. People don't listen when you say who you are. People will make sexual jokes or talk about your appearance. Even people in power, your attendings, your male attendings, your female attendings will belittle you. That was just shocking to me to be in this place where how I looked, my appearance, how I chose to dress came under such scrutiny even if I knew all my stuff. And I've talked about this before. I let all that judgment break me down into the point where I stopped believing in myself. I had a hard time answering questions. I had a hard time on rounds being able to formulate my thoughts because it just became so much pressure that I really started to live in this place when I didn't even believe in myself either. And I think this is just where you start to hear something from so many different avenues even if it's not so directly that you don't belong here, but you feel the common thread, I'm being treated differently. Do I not belong here? And then you start to wonder, do I belong here? Should I be doing this? What does this mean? And when you don't have any female mentors, I don't have any in medical school. And I really wish I had, looking back, I really wish I had had a female physician who I could go sit with who perhaps could give me a different set of advice. Not that I regret or would change any, I mean, maybe I wouldn't do that ER intern year, but no, maybe I, I probably would. It got me to where I am and that is all fine. But the truth is I had such a narrow-minded view of what was possible. And that is because I had built a tunnel from the expectations of everybody else around me. And I ignored my true self because I was so busy listening to them. They were so loud that it became overwhelming. And I didn't even realize that. I didn't even realize it. But I, my self-esteem was breaking down. My confidence was breaking down. I was starting to have this limited view of what I could do in medicine if I wanted to be a mom or if I could be a mom. And this was still all before I even wanted to have kids. 
So I went to UTMB, which is the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston. And back then, we had the choice to do our clinical years in Austin. And I came to Austin for my entire third and fourth year, which was fabulous, with about 20 other classmates, and we became really close. And I've told this story, but I remember sitting in the Starbucks on Guadalupe with two of my other friends, and we were studying, using air quotes for studying, but we were talking about what should we go into? What field should we go into? What electives were we going to do? How are we going to match? And the common theme between the three of us, all women, was what's going to give me the life I want later? What will let me have kids? How old will I be when I'm done with this training? I mean, this is before the days of egg freezing, guys. Maybe that would have made everything different. I can't even imagine how much we would have talked about should we freeze our eggs. The short answer is if you're thinking about freezing your eggs, you should freeze your eggs. You don't regret freezing your eggs. You don't regret keeping doors open. But I digress. Back to this point is that we were constantly worried about this. And it was a constant theme. And none of us, the three of us, had a female physician, role model, or mentor Or anybody we could go to with this advice. Nobody in our life who was a female physician. Nobody in our medical school curriculum who we felt comfortable enough going to. And I really think that is crazy. Of the three of us sitting there, two of us switched residencies. We're both excelling in our new field. It's This is where I'm supposed to be. I just took the longer path to get there and so did Sarah. But the point being that isn't it interesting that we didn't have this mentorship and that the generation before us helped us get a seat at the table. They fought battles that I'm not fighting. I admit the things that I'm talking about here, I am completely sure that women, the generation above me say, you don't even have a clue. They fought battles that I have just a smidgen of a clue about because I'm sure if I'm getting sexualized, discriminated against, my butt slapped, people staring at my breasts when I talk, sexual comments made about me, my opinion disregarded, patients not thinking that I'm their doctor, comments made about me in the room, in the OR, I am sure that the generation above got all of that stuff too. However, I think that there was a mentality that the struggle was part of the journey. You had to struggle to get to the end, to fit in, it's a boys club. And I'm just like, no way, Jose. Completely wrong. That's just completely wrong. And not everybody's like that, of course. But I do think that this is the burden of my generation. I always say, they can't be you if they can't see you. And I really mean it. And what does that mean? It's not just enough to get to the end. To say, here I am now as a physician and a mom. And I'm just doing my own little life and nobody knows about it. Working in a private practice and taking care of my kids and that's it. If that's the bubble that we all live in, we are not helping the ones below us. And I'm not saying you have to go change the world, but I am saying that I think part of where we are now is to bring the other women to the table. We don't want to be the only one. There's room for everybody here. I promise you we are not competing against each other. Women in medical school, you're not competing against each other. I know at times it feels like that because there's only so many spots in each residency and each fellowship, and you feel like you are competing against each other, but you're not. In the end, you are all on the same team, 
I talked about finding your tribe in a prior episode. And really, guys, this is the tribe of sisterhood. When you put another woman down, when you talk about them, when you go behind their backs, when you go above their heads, when you belittle them, gossip, you are adding to the burden that women face already. When we are catty, we make each other look bad. Like, if she can't even stand up for her, why would I? Seriously, that has got to stop, number one. Number two, you're not competing against anybody but yourself. For real, you are your biggest competition. You are the biggest thing holding yourself back. You are the only person you need to outperform. Forget about everybody else. This is your journey, not theirs. They, Everybody's on their own path. Walk through the forest together. Talk about it. Be supportive. That's how you get to the end. But when you're at the end, don't just jump off a cliff. You need to look back in the forest and help people out. And I think that is where social media is really changing the game. You could actually be a pre-med or a med student now and look at social media and see female physicians out there doing jobs, being moms, getting some idea of what life would look like. I also think that's a huge responsibility if you are a physician on social media, making sure that you portray life in a realistic view. You don't want to break HIPAA and be a Debbie Downer all the time, but you also don't want to make everything look picture perfect when it's not. Being real and being honest and being transparent is extremely valuable to the younger generation. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Quince. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. The best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, but Quince partners directly with top factories, cutting out the cost of the middleman, passing the saving to us, and only working with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I personally cannot wait to wear my cute tan linen set this summer. So it's your turn to get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash A-A-W for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash A-A-W to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash A-A-W. Thank you, Quince. And that's a large part of why I started putting myself out there because I thought I had no idea that this job existed back when I was younger. And I had no idea what an REI even did, even when I was an OBGYN resident. And I think if you show people what your life is like, people are interested in people. People are interested in that. You are helping somebody. You do not have to have tens of thousands of followers to make an impact. If you're reaching one girl and changing the trajectory of her professional career or course because of your story, isn't that impactful enough? Isn't that enough reason why you might want to put yourself out there? And then go further. Could you talk at the med school? Could you accept students for shadowing? What other opportunities are there for you to be present and be visible? Because if they can't see you, they can't be you. To put to rest, I obviously believe that you can be a good mom and you could be a good doctor. And I'm extremely biased because I think that being a doctor mom makes you an even better mom. 
Yes, there is oodles of mom guilt, like beyond so much mom guilt. I can't even tell you that. But do you know what? My friend who's a genetic counselor has it. And my friend who's a hospital administrator has it. And my friend who's a stay-at-home mom has it. And my friend who owns her own business has it. My friend who's a nurse has it. And my friend who's a teacher has it. Everybody has it. You're always going to have mom guilt. What is mom guilt? It is guilt that you're doing something wrong or you're not doing it right or you're not doing it enough. That's a whole nother societal pressure issue going on. But the truth is you're doing it right. Having a child watch you excel is one of the most impactful things you can do for that child. Talk about telling your children to dream big. They can be anything. Chase their dreams. But imagine that they watch you do it. Imagine if they travel with you all over the country when you give talks. Imagine if they see the babies of the people you help get pregnant. Imagine if they know that you are making a difference in the world. What does that tell them without saying anything? You don't have to tell them, go achieve your dreams because you're showing them. Look how rewarding it is. And yes, you're also teaching them a valuable lesson. Nothing in life is free. There's sacrifice in everything. And if you love what you do, if you're passionate about it, the sacrifice is okay. Your kids start to become really proud of you when you go to work. Yep, you're going to have mom guilt and you're going to miss them. But is it worth it in the end? Of course it is. Side note that I'm not saying anything negative to stay-at-home moms because I think that job is extremely challenging in so many ways. I get to share the burden of parenthood with Jason and with our kids' teachers and our kids' nanny. You see all those people I just listed? That helps me out because my kids get exposed to a lot of different things, but also lets me have time for me. Being a stay-at-home mom is extra tough. So just clarifying, I have nothing but respect for the stay-at-home mom crew. But when it comes to being a doctor mom, I think that's really special. And I would never tell a young woman not to choose a career as a physician because of fear of not being able to have a family. And I will say this a thousand times on every podcast I ever do if I need to, is that you will never want to leave your children at home especially to go do a job you're not passionate about. So don't you dare pick a field, pick a career, pick a job that isn't the right one for you because it will be harder. You will regret it. You won't be happy. You'll burn out and you'll leave and you'll do nothing. And you have a spark inside of you telling you what to do. And you need to listen to that and be true to yourself. Because if you're listening to the world instead of your heart, you're going to have to go backwards because you're going to make the wrong choice. And that's okay. That happens to all of us. You can walk back through the forest, find your path, get on the right one. It's totally fine. If you've made a choice that's not true to you, it is okay. You will find your way. It is not too late. But I'm trying to tell you from the beginning, look inside and be really, really honest about why you want to do this job, what you want to do, what you want to accomplish in your life as you Without the fear of when you'll have kids, how old you'll be, should you have kids, can you be a good mom? Because I absolutely 1,000, 100% agree, you can do it. I promise you, you can do it. And to the age-old question of when should you have children in medicine, there is no good time. I really promise there's not. I always thought, of course, it will be easier when you're done with training. 
But your first couple of years out in private practice are pretty tough because you're trying to build a name for yourself, get known in the community, go to all the things, be present, take amazing care of every single patient, meet all the referring doctors. It's a lot of work. I had my kids in fellowship. I tried to have them earlier. This is when it worked for me. They are my kids. They came when they were ready and it's perfect. But have them when you're ready. The job will never get easier. The job will only get harder. In some ways, as a medical student, a resident, or a fellow, it is easier, even though it doesn't feel like it is, but it's easier because the true sole responsibility of a patient does not rely on you. There's a group mentality and training that even though your co-residents may have to step up and pick up the slack, they are happy and willing to do so because they care about you. Residency is a family. And I want to end by saying this. You control your own story. You need to be true to yourself. You need to acknowledge that how you dress and how you look is a representation of your professional persona. And that's okay. Put yourself together. Get up. Curl your hair or pull it back. Wear scrubs or wear a dress. Wear heels or tinnies. But look like you're taking the job seriously. Be true to you. If it's pink lips, do it. If it's no makeup, that's fine. But be present. Don't look like you just rolled out of bed. Look like you came ready for the game and you're going to tackle it. That is what we all need to do. There's no doubt people are going to judge how you look. That is life as a woman in medicine. And it's okay. If you know it's coming, it is okay. You can stand behind it if you're being true to you. If you know this is how you feel comfortable as your professional self, how you want your patients to see you, how you feel like you garner the most respect, girl, you rock it no matter what it is. And then if they're going to come at you because they're going to come, you can be true to you. This is your journey. This is your story. You are the one in control. And so what's it like to be a woman in medicine? It's a hard job. It's a hard job for any doctor. The training is long. The sacrifice is real. It is going to take time. And time is your most valuable commodity. But it is so worth it if it is your passion. And what I really, really want is for all the young women who feel that spark of passion for this calling and who are being told that they can't do it, I want you to hear that you can. And if you've made choices that go in the other direction, turn back around, go find your path. It's never too late. It is never too late to be true to you. It is never too late to be the example of a girl chasing her dreams, a woman with vision, a person with passion. That is what is worth searching for. Live your life with your soul set on fire. Search for the thing that's going to make you better. Leave the world a better place than you found it. And know that I am rooting all of you on. And to all my women listening who have already gotten to the end or who are in the middle, but training's behind us, hear me again. They can't be you if they can't see you. Please be visible and be present. Don't just have your seat at the table, but please help make space for everybody else. Look back in the forest and bring them along. Give advice, give help. Be a constant cheerleader for that next generation of women who are going to change the world. Thank you guys so much for listening. I am just floored at what we've accomplished with this podcast in the past year. So feel free to follow me along on Instagram at Natalie Crawford MD. The blog is nataliecrawfordmd.com. I love every rate, review, and share. 
of this podcast, every time you guys share that Instagram story, ah, makes my heart so, so happy. So I just can't wait to hear what you think about this one. I have a huge running list of all the things you are asking for. So keep asking and I will get to them. Thank you guys so much. Hey guys, welcome to The Collective. I'm Brianne Halfrich, a 26-year-old bioethics PhD student and clothing brand CEO. Welcome to my podcast where we talk all things health and wellness, navigating your 20s, and becoming the best version of yourself. So sit down, play that episode, and join The Collective.